first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I am Benjamin Price, and today we'll be talking about Descendants, the Royal Wedding, the Crude's Family Tree. But first, we'll be talking with Gianna and Micah about My Little Pony, A New Generation. So, what did you think of this reboot of the My Little Pony show, you know, phenomenon, I guess? Well, I thought it was really good. Like, as soon as I saw the trailer, I just jumped at the opportunity to do this because um, I used to watch um, the other My Little Pony shows and movies. So I was really excited to see what they did with this new one. Yeah, like she said, um, I used to watch My Little Pony when I was a and I still do like the show. And it was an amazing opportunity. I had to interview someone, two people that were on it, and to review it. Well, and we'll be hearing those uh, later on in this segment. So, Micah, what is My Little... Set the stage. What is My Little Pony, A New Generation about? My Little Pony, A New Generation is about a young pony named Sunny who grew up um, being taught that she should be afraid of unicorns and pegasi. But she's now set on... She's now, like, older, and she's set on bringing back the unity between them. And she teams up with a unicorn named Izzy, like, against um, her best friend and the sheriff of um, the town named Hitch. Um, she does it against his wishes. But she, she um, with the help of Izzy, she goes on a quest to get the divided crystals that would bring Equestria back to the way it used to be. And she faces challenges and makes new friends along the way. They're getting into crystals now? My little pony's <laughs> gone crazy. Uh... And Gianna, for my own peace of mind, you know, I didn't watch too much of the show when it was on, but I've not, I haven't heard either of you mention, you know, the the mainstays, right? Like Twilight, uh, Sparkle, and uh, Buttercup, and Applejack. Or I'm, some of those are probably wrong. Um, but uh, do any of the original ponies come back, or is this a whole new? Is this a whole new thing? The new ponies do not come back, but you do see, like, action figures of them in Sunny's room. Like, all of them. And they're all action figures. Like, they're on a dresser. And they don't come back. It's, like, a whole new cast. And they bring the same energy and have the same friendship you feel, felt, as you watch the other ones, as you watch it now. Well, and if you watch the previous one, you gotta know friendship is magic. So in this new generation of My Little Ponies, which one uh, was both of your favorites? Well, I have to say from this new one, I think um, Sunny and Hitch, um, those are two favorites, but I think they really relate to each other and they make a great team um, because like they're very different, but that's what makes them great friends. Like Sunny is adventurous and a risk taker and Hitch is just professional and overprotective all the way. So um, them being really different just kind of makes that bond stronger. And I really like the way that was executed by the actors and the rest of the team with this movie. 
Um, my favorite character was Sunny because she never believes what everybody says and she never gives up. And I do also like Izzy because she's very positive. She brings a very positive energy to the team and to the whole movie. She never gives up as well. And the bond between the both of them is just, you know, all positivity all the way. And finally, Micah, what is your age rating for My Little Pony New Generation? I rate My Little Pony A New Generation 5 out of 5 stars and recommended for ages 5 to 18 plus adults. And um, the, the ponies may look very different, but no matter how different the ponies look, you'll still feel the nostalgia from the relationships between them, just like you felt the relationships between Twilight and Applejack, Rainbow Dash, Pink Pie, all of those. You'll feel that. Thank you. Rainbow Dash. That's another one. Stay tuned. Our, um, thank you so much for talking. Thank you both so much for talking with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have you were listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice of America Kids Network. And right now, we're going to switch gears and hear Gianna and Micah's interview with two of the voice actors from My Little Pony New Generation, Liza Koshi and Kamiko Glenn. Hi, I'm Gianna reporting for Kids First. And I'm Micah reporting for Kids First. And today we have the amazing opportunity to speak with Liza Koshi and Kamiko Glenn about their new movie, My Little Pony, A New Generation, which releases on Netflix September 24th, 2021. Ms. Glenn is credited for her work on multiple TV shows, including Baby Shark's Big Show and DuckTales, and has won three Screen Actors Guild Awards for her work on the popular TV show, Orange is the New Black. Ms. Koshi is a YouTube comedian and actress who starred in Tyler Perry's Boo, A Medea Halloween, as well on Liza On Demand, which she was also the executive producer for. Today, we are talking about My Little Pony and New Generation. Um, so, Miss Koshi, My Little Pony has been popular with young kids for many years. Were you a fan of the shows or movies before taking this role? Oh, 100% girl, yes. <laughs> I collected all of those ponies. I had all of the combs, the accessories for the ponies too. I also had a hair straightener in which I seared off the pony's <laughs> tail and we learned that synthetic hair is different than real hair. Um, but <laughs> I collected so many, you know, My Little Ponies growing up. And so I grew up with this, you know, iconic piece of pop culture that, you know, I got to learn lessons from as a kid. There's timeless morals and messages here in every world. Every generation needs to hear. So to grow up with it and then to lend my voice and become a pony and be Zipstorm yeah. um, is it's still like you can see I'm beaming I'm glowing uh, it's a dream it's an absolute dream and an honor to be a part of this My Little Pony family now so um, giddy up it's a good time <laughs> it sounds like you had such a great time and I actually think I used to have one of those ponies too with the hairbrushes and everything yeah so, it must be it must have been amazing to join this franchise. It's wild now. Now I have my own little figurine. So Zipstorm, you can get her in stores now. Um, <laughs> Zipstorm exists now too. So I'm, I'm I'm so excited for you know the younger generation, a new generation, uh, to play with this little pony and understand that she stands for so much in the world, but also in on Earth, but also on, on Equestria or in Equestria. You know she stands. You know Zip is kind of this beautiful character that embodies girly traits and boyish traits, and she stands firm in her power. She stands for justice and independence and I'm just excited for some little girl or little boy or little person to hold that and you know feel the power that is Zipstorm just like I do yeah that's so amazing and I can't wait for them as well yeah thank you thanks for asking 
Miss Glenn, each of the ponies in this film have an, a unique personality. How do you think that contributes to their friendship? Well, I think they each have something to offer. You know, they're all they're all unique. And I think that's kind of the theme of the film. It's very, you know, highlighting differences and understanding the differences and accepting those differences and getting to know one another and, and having like those differences actually make us stronger. So my character, Izzy Moonbow, is like super free, super open hearted, just like ready to accept anyone and curious about people. She's really creative. She likes to take something old and make it like this new, beautiful thing again. Like yeah. her house is filled with upcycling yeah, yeah. unicycling in the in the movie um but she has that sort of energy and i think like it's such a juxtaposed um uh situation from sunny who's like kind of comes from earth ponies who are like super fearful of unicorns i mean izzy who could be fearful of izzy no, no, no. um but you know she, it's like a total different world and i think like the pegasi like the royalty yep. you know right. and yeah, they all have different things to offer to the friend group. And I think like that's actually what makes friendships the strongest yeah. is when you can like yeah. see the goodness in someone that is so different from you and like yeah. get inspired by that yeah. um, and model your life after like how they live theirs, which is different than how you live yours. Yeah, um, I think it's super important. Yeah, not to lean into the fear of what makes us so different from one another, but yeah. the faith of like this is so beautiful about you and I have yet to learn that. Teach me about your background, about your culture. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live in my bubble. And, you know, you see in, in the movie, they live in these mm -hmm. different parts of Equestria too and those bubbles are slowly popped and each pony and unicorn and pegasi come together and that power mm -hmm. of all of them together makes them all rise as yeah. one. So that's what's beautiful is celebrating the, what makes us so wildly different. Yeah. yeah. I could really feel the bond between all the ponies really all the ponies during the movie, and it was amazing. Ms. Koshi, what attracted you to the role of Zip Storm? Yeah, well, I mentioned before, I love that Zip kind of embodies this new generation of not being afraid to be themselves, and and she really embodies this androgynous kind of, you know, energy about herself that embraces both masculine and feminine traits. And I just love that. Mm -hmm. She's also, you know, she's a social advocate. She like speaks her mind. She wants justice in the world of Equestria. She wants to make sure that royalty is no different than everyone else among her um, and that everybody should be treated the same regardless of their label in this world. She is a princess. She's a princess Pegasi, but she doesn't subscribe to the ideas yeah. and definitions mm -hmm. and expectations that even her mom places on her. And I think that's a tough, you know, you know, place to be in as as a young girl who grew up in the world myself, my mom had different expectations of me or my dad did too. And to be, you know, in your own power and, and let them know like this is who I am, it's it's a conversation that needs to be had. You see that conversation happen in the movie. You see Zip, you know, kind of be firm in who she is and wanting to live her truth and talk to her mom and let her know, like, this is what I have to do. I have to do this. It'll set us all free. Um without getting away from these spoilers. <laughs> uh, that, it's a really important conversation. I think it's lovely for kids to be able to see that interaction on screen to that they can do that in real life. Yeah. And that's really a conversation that I had with my dad about you know doing and pursuing the job that I'm doing now. I had to sit him down and say, I love this, this is what I wanna do, I wanna create in this world. 
And, you know, with that conversation came clarity and his blessing of go ahead, go do it. Gallop, you little pony. And, <laughs> and now I'm here dancing in the world of my little pony and I'm very lucky. So yeah. I love my zip. Yeah. I think it's really cool because all of the characters in their own way are kind of trying to um, stray from what they were taught, you know, like straight yeah. from like what they are supposed to be doing. Yeah. They're all kind of exploring what that means for them and just feeling like maybe there's something else. Maybe yeah. there's a different way of living, yeah. you know, with Sunny and, you know, the earth ponies being scared of unicorns and with, yeah. you know, Izzy, like how Bridalwood maybe thinks she's too sparkly. And then with yeah. Pip and Zip and how they're living and like kind of, you know, going like, I think that these things are maybe wrong and yeah. maybe we should talk about it and, you know, not live in our little bubble. It's kind mm -hmm. of cool that they're all like strong young women yeah. trying to make their own path. It's yeah. really amazing. And we have a male pony too. We yeah. Have a lovely yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the first male My Little Pony, which is awesome. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, it's great to have your own opinions and life, and it's amazing that you can connect to your character. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so thank you so much for talking with us today. We had a great time. Yes, we did. Thank we you. had a great time. Y'all are wonderful reporters. <laughs> thank you for bringing so many yeah. insightful questions. And Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Awesome. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job at it. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Very nice to meet you. Nice, nice to meet you too. Enjoy the rest of the day. <laughs> Thank We've just talked with Kamiko Glenn and Liza Koshi about their new movie, My Little Pony, A New Generation, which releases on Netflix September 24th, 2021. It's definitely a movie you won't want to miss. I'm Micah. And I'm Gianna, reporter for Kiss First. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel so you don't miss our next interview or review or one of those of our awesome teammates. See you next time. Bye. Let's take a break. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Merrick Security Solutions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up.
Hey, welcome back. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about My Little Pony, A New Generation. And next, we'll be hearing Catherine's interview with Boo Boo Stewart and Cheyenne Jackson of Descendants the Royal Way. Hi, this is Catherine reporting for Kids First, and today I will be interviewing Boo Boo Stewart and Cheyenne Jackson from Descendants The Royal Wedding. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, okay, so <laughs> you've been part of this franchise since the very beginning. So what was your initial reaction when the Disney executives approached you about Descendants The Royal Wedding being animated? Um, I was actually really happy with the fact that we were doing it animated. Um, you know, when it first came about, I was a lot of mixed emotions on continuing the story. Um, but I, the, what we're presenting and the story we're telling and how it wraps up the series is so beautifully done. And um, I really, really was like honestly blown away when I read it. I was like, this is, this is good. Cause it, it, it was a, there was a big hurdle to, for me to be like, yes, let's do it. And after I read it, I was like, this is, this feels right. And it feels like true and honest and yeah. That's amazing. So Cheyenne, you joined the franchise for the trequel as the villainous Hades. So did you help create your character's look? I personally think that the blue hair is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I wish I could say that I created the look, but the look was complete already on paper. Uh, although Kenny did say that before I was cast, uh, when they were um, doing the costumes and the hair and stuff, they had a picture of my face already on the rendering. So I think he already saw me as the part kind of, so he was manifesting it. Um, but <laughs> Parasan, who did all the costumes and stuff, she had my face on the board before I was even cast. So, Wow, was, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was written in the stars. Yeah. <laughs> So, Boo-Boo, you are very creative and musically gifted. So what was it been like working with the world-class composers and songwriters and music producers in this franchise? I gosh, that, yeah, that's, that's, that sounds really loaded. Um, no, I mean, I honestly, like, doing Descendants was um, so much learning and so much of me feeling like I was like just swimming, like barely keeping up, like trying my hardest, like, um, because there's so many great, I mean, Cheyenne and, you know, everybody's so fantastic and just, you know, on the next level. And uh, I always, I just learning, just learning and trying to keep calm and trying to just really just know, know my character and expand from there. And I, I it was a, uh, but when you have someone like Kenny and you have all the people, yes, all the composers and all the musicians that were involved with it, everyone was so nice and so uh, giving and it made you feel very comfortable that way you're free to try things and step outside of um, your comfort zone. Yeah, I feel like it would have been wonderful to work with all those people and learn and grow as you're going. <laughs> totally. And so, uh, Cheyenne, what was it like working as voice only for the fourth installment? Uh, it was challenging. And uh, interesting because, you know, when you're on set, like you mentioned, with the costumes and the hair and the, the, the music and the vibes and there's, you know, everybody dancing and Kenny doing jumping jacks in the corner, getting you hyped up. When you don't have all that stuff, you have to just rely on your imagination and your voice and your body and your, what you can create. Also, we did this in the middle of COVID. So we were in booths by ourselves with only people on screens kind of giving us directions. So it took me a hot second to like get into it and to remember, oh, right, 
this is how he would say this. And, um, but uh, it was a really fun challenge. I liked it a lot. I hope I get to do more animated stuff because it was, I, I did, um, Boo Boo said this earlier, I'm going to steal it. Uh, I felt a freedom because, you know, you don't have to worry about what you look like. You just have to worry about what you sound like and what you're conveying with your voice. Yeah, I feel like it'd be really hard because, you know, when you have when you're on set, you have like the hair, you have the costume. I feel like it'd be easier to get in character. But for that, you as you said, you really just have your imagination. Right. Right. It's exactly right. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today, we're talking about the Croods family tree. What? Yes. What? That is the title. And right now we're going to continue hearing Catherine's interview with Boo Boo Stewart and Cheyenne Jackson on Descendants the Royal Way. And so this is for both of you. Uh, how excited were you to see the animated versions of your characters? Pretty, pretty excited. You know, it's, uh, I, I love the animation style they've chosen to go with. Uh, I think it's a great homage to the classic Disney films. Um, yeah, and, and when yeah, when you see yourself, you're like, oh, <laughs> it's always surprising. You're like, oh wow, but like this is so cool. Um, I think they definitely made me taller than I am in real life. Which no. <laughs> go for it. Let's let's do it. Put that out into the world. <laughs> Super cool. I thought it was great. I, I, I in animation, you know, you they exaggerate features of certain features. So I Hades is all eyebrows. And I remember they had two different versions, one with like almost no beard and then one with a scruffy beard like Hades has or I have right now. And we were, I was like, definitely the beard, you know. And yeah, it was, it was fun to see. It was fun to see how everybody was drawn and um, yeah, what yeah. features they chose to. Yeah, help. I feel like it'd be so cool to see all of that, uh, like the essence of your character all put in uh in animation. And so do you think that the animators captured the essence and magic of your live action characters pretty well? I would say so. Yes. For, for me, like, yes, I, I think it's spot on. It's, it's great. Yeah, same. I mean, everybody, these characters are so specific and they're so beloved that uh, I think they had a, a, a tall order. And Boo Boo said this earlier, I think it's so true. The style of animation that they did is a very old fashioned, uh, you know, hand-drawn looking. I don't know if they actually hand-drawn or if it's I'm sure it's computer, but well, however it is, it looks classic and it's a great homage to the great, you know, classic D Disney film. So I think it was a perfect choice. Yeah, I thought it was a good idea too because I feel like it's just something new because I know we've been seeing all sorts of live action, uh, live action Descendants movies. So I feel like it'd be cool to, you know, switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is for both of you again. The passing of Cameron Boyce was really heart-wrenching for the entire cast and crew and even the fans. So uh, how well do you think that this animated reboot honors him? I I'll think let Boo it, take that. Yeah, I, it just, yeah, I think it it really honors him extremely well. I mean, that, that honestly was a major point for me on just feeling like I was finished with Descendants after Descendants 3. I thought that was, you know, boom, we did it. We all rocked it together. Um, and I was very uh, reluctant to continue. But when I read what they, how they handle it in our special, it really is a beautiful moment. And it's, I think they really, really nailed it. It's, it's nice. I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be really nice for the fans because they're a part of the Descendants family too. And uh, I feel like there'll never be closure. 
or something like this, but um, it is nice to have him honored for everybody. Yes, for sure. So thanks so much for talking with me today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Catherine reporting for Kids First. Please don't forget to subscribe to Kids First and check out all of our reviews. See you later. Bye. Bye. Let's take a break. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Merrick Security Solutions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about My Little Pony New Generation. Listen to an interview with the cast of The Descendants the Royal Wedding. But right now, I'd argue the main event of the episode, at least in my eyes. We will be talking with Avalon about the Croods family tree. Are you are you a Croods fan? Have you seen one yeah. and two? Good, good. All right. So, what did you think of this new this new spin with the, everybody's favorite prehistoric family? Um, I think it's really fun. It's uh, about the Croods uh, living on the Betterman's farm from like the new movie. And so then it's just like a fun series where you basically can just see like, I guess, all the mishaps that they go through living together because they have, I guess, very different versions of what life should be. Well, and that's the, I think that's a really fun, I haven't seen the show, but that's a really fun kind of evolution of the second one, which is all kind of all about that. But you really only get to see them squabble. You don't really have to get to see them kind of learn to coexist until the very end. Spoiler alerts for Croods 2, but you probably could have seen that one come. Um, and so this is a, they recast a lot of the voice actors, obviously. What's the, what's the voice acting like in this show? Uh, 
I think it's really good. I think that the the well, there's a few that are like returning, but most of them mm. are new. And I think the new ones really like they really sound like the old ones as well. So I think they're all the cast that has ever voiced these characters has always been really good. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Nicolas Cage. Uh, unfortunately, we lost Cl- Cloris Leach. Cloris Cor- Cloris Leachman who played the grandma earlier this year. But yeah, it's really, that's good to hear that the voice cast uh, has held strong. And what is your, so the, uh, how long are these episodes individually? They're kind of like each one doesn't follow the one before it very much. It's not like you'd have to watch them in order. Yeah, they're all contained. What is your favorite, I have to ask, who is your favorite crude or betterman? I think I like uh, Dawn and Hope a lot. Like, I know there's both Bettermans, but uh, because, well, Dawn, it's just like her parents, both, they always wanted her to be uh, very contained and not do anything dangerous, like, ever. And she keeps constantly defying them, like, she wants to, to, like, do these dangerous things that, like, Eve does. And then I also like Hope uh, because she just has this style of, like, everything has to be this way. And when it changes, she's just doesn't like it yeah and that and that sounds pretty similar to the to the second one so and the animation too it's a obviously they're going into tv now versus um you know the theatrical space but how did did they did you think that and it, the, the style itself looks significantly different did you think it still um served the story well yeah, the I think vis- it, the visuals. Yeah, I think it definitely did. Can you talk about it a little bit? Uh, yeah. So I guess uh, it's very um the style of animation at least that they did in the uh show. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but uh, is kind of like very realistic, like trying to make them look not like two D, but like three D. Like it, they would look, I guess, if it was actually live action, but it's not. So. And finally, what uh, what star rating and age rating would you give the Crudes family tree? Uh, so uh, I would give it a uh, four to five, and I recommend it for ages uh, six to fourteen, and plus adults can watch it with like their kids. So, and this is going to be on Peacock and Hulu. When? Oh, on uh September twenty third. Uh, Thank you. You were listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. We just finished talking with Avalon about Crude's family tree. And right now we're going to hear her interviews with three of the cast members, Mark Banker, Todd Grimes, and Amy Landecker. Hello, Avalon. Hello, Avalon. Nice to meet you. You too. So, uh, Ms. Landecker, uh, you play Aga, the cape woman mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was playing a mom in the prehistoric era different from playing a present time character? She moves so much more. She's <laughs> way more physical than any other mom I've gotten to play, which is really fun. Um, I, I always tell people like, I'm, I'm having the best time playing this cave woman because cave women, they like ride bulruses, they, you know, throw rocks, they jump from trees. I mean, I, you know, I, I've played a lot of moms and I've never gotten to play someone who's as adventurous and fearless as Ugga. Yeah, it definitely sounds different from, I guess, your regular mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So, uh, Mr. Banker, uh, you have uh, directed an impressive number of animated films. How is being an executive producer different for you on this show? First of all, thank you for calling me Mr. Banker. I, yeah, I have worked on uh, a lot of uh, shows, uh, which makes me so old to imagine. <laughs> um, this one uh, is, is kind of special because this is the first time that I've acted as an executive producer in production on a, on a show. And the job of the executive producer is you're kind of involved from the very beginning to the very end of every show. And every single decision at some point or another comes in front of you and you got, you got to make a call. You're not always going to be right. But you got to pretend that, that you're <laughs> right and that you know what you're doing, even if you don't. It's nice that I'm also, you know, my background has always been heavily in writing. Um, and Todd's, I'll let Todd talk too, but Todd's is, you know, is all, he's a director and editor and, and talented and, uh, also a writer in his own right, but like uh, we're very lucky that I think we have each other and we have like, we bring sort of different backgrounds to the table and we complement each other. And then ultimately we kind of share a brain we found as, uh, <laughs> as we've been doing the show, but um, it's a lot of fun to be able to kind of have a hand in everything from the beginning, right up until the end of the show, because um, so it, uh, it's, it's more work certainly it does mean more more hours, but uh, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you both did good because the show is really good. <laughs> oh, thank Thanks. you very much. Uh, so, Mr. Grimes, uh, what attracted you to this show? Well, I I've, I've always uh, worked in comedy, and I love I love comedy, um, and I've I've primarily done. Um, animation that was CG. I, I did some 2D animation of a recent show, um, but I always, uh, mostly as a director, primarily enjoyed working in the CG world because I, I like the freedom that you have. A little, it's a little bit more like shooting live action. Um, and uh, so the, the Croods as a franchise, I loved the films um, and it just seemed like the exact type of material that I enjoyed doing. Um, with the with the comedy and the action and the um, and like the and the characters, uh, so many different types of personalities. Um, so yeah, that's what really I think drew me to um, to to this show in particular, and um, and that and probably a, a lot of uh, begging and pleading um, to get the job on my part. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great show. So. Thank you very much. Let's take a break. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Merrick Security Solutions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, 
celebrities and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Benjamin Price, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about My Little Pony New Generation, Descendants of the Royal Wedding, The Crude's Family Tree, and right now we're going to hear Ishan's interview with director Alex Lev of What? That is the title of the project. Hi everyone, I'm Ishan, reporting for Kids First, and today I am super excited to speak with Mr. Alec Lev, writer and director of What? From film to television to theater to podcasting and more, Alec Lev has been in the creative space for over 20 years. Lev wrote, directed, and edited the upcoming feature-length silent black-and-white comedy What? created with a cast and crew of deaf and hearing artists. He also wrote, directed and edited and appeared in the feature film Ready or Not. Other credits include Conventioneers, Devil's Pond, How I Met Your Mother, Miami Medical, and I'm Dying Up Here. Thank you for having me. So let's get started with why did you feel it was important to create a film for the deaf community? Um, I will say that I, I don't think I really looked at it that way. Um, this was brought to me by uh, two brothers, John and Paul Mauser. Uh, they are deaf. John is a an actor, Paul's a producer, and they had an idea that they wanted to make a film, and they had certain ideas about what that film would be. Um, and then they brought me and they actually asked me if I would be a line producer, which is someone that is really kind of on the ground with a film. Um, that is a skill that I do not have, an experience I do not have, and I told them they don't want me to do that. But I asked, uh, you need a director? And they went, yeah. And so that's how to get a directing job in Hollywood, kids. Just <laughs> ask. Um, but I said I was interested in directing. And if so, I was interested in, in, in basically taking the, the seeds of their idea and rewriting it. Um, and I did. And so it was a story. It's a story about a deaf person and a deaf actor. We can get into all that. But it's not like I set out to say it is very important that I do this for it's not really thinking of it that way. It was like, these are my friends and we all wanted to make a movie together. And it happens to be a movie that has deaf producers, a deaf director of photography, deaf gaffer, deaf half the crew, actors, because that's who I work with a lot. And so we're just doing what we want to do to have fun. Obviously, there's a message there. Um, but I think of it more like I really wanted to write and make this movie with John and, and these other folks. And um, what was the writing process like for the film? As a member of the hearing community, how was it writing writing a film about a deaf actor? 
Right. So I've been working in the deaf community for 25 years. And so, um, in fact, if I attempted to think of any other, I don't really consider myself a part of any other group except the deaf community. Like I have other, I guess I have other, I'm a writer, I'm a director, but those aren't so much communities nearly as much as this. So this is kind of the space in which I've been doing all the creative stuff I've done almost since college. I, I first took sign language in college, and then I worked at a place called the National Theater of the Deaf in Chester, Connecticut, touring theater company, training, uh, theater training. And while doing that, I was learning to sign. Uh, I went on, I worked with Deaf West Theater. I worked with other theaters in sign language. I just directed a workshop for an opera with deaf and hearing actors. Um, and so that's kind of the world I've, I've, I've moved in. So that's not really a, that it's, not, it, it's no different. It, I wouldn't call it a challenge because it's a story about a deaf community. It's a challenge because writing is a challenge and you want to be authentic while being ridiculous. And so putting those two together is, is really what the challenge was. So what made you decide to shoot the film in black and white? So the what they came to me with, what John and Paul came to me with, was a story completely different from what you'll see in the movie. But it was a story about that included several deaf people who all used different sign languages. Sign language is completely different across any any boundaries, any borders. And so their idea happened to be John, who is using American Sign Language, two actors um, from, uh, from Spain who use Catalan Sign Language. Uh, they had a German uh, actress who is deaf who uses German Sign Language. And then there were going to be characters that didn't sign at all. And so in their original story, they already had this idea that people would be in scenes together who don't share the same language. And so they kind of got to figure out how to talk to each other. That's not quite what silent films are, but still I came in to this with a certain background in, in silent film. So um, a huge fan of Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. My younger son's name is Chaplin. <laughs> I was the vice president of the International Buster Keaton Society for a while. And so I have all that in my life and seeing a movie that was not going to have a lot of words or signs Simply put, I thought, well, that could be a silent film. Whatever story, in fact, we hadn't even written the story yet. They just had sort of the inklings of a story. So if that's what I'm being definitely given, these actors who use different sign languages, hey, why not? I've always wanted to make a feature silent film. This seemed like the perfect time to do it. But it's not necessarily a silent film, even if it completely looks like one, because it's got sign language. So if you're a deaf audience, it's not really silent to you. I mean, that's sort of a philosophical question are silent movies silent to a deaf person that's very difficult to answer but it's got clear language in it as well as a lot of gestural stuff separate from language but for me i thought this is it this is the time where i can make my silent movie and for me silent movies are black and white if for no other reason then we were going to be weird we were going to be um a little abstract a little ridiculous and when you're watching that in black and white it kind of helps you turn off your reality meter because hey, it's not black and it's black and white. That means it's not real. Mm. So other things can be not real as well. That's interesting. That's cool. You were listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice of America Kids Network. Today we're talking about the Crude's family tree, the Send Us the Royal Wedding, 
My Little Pony New Generation is just some of the things we've been talking about. And we're going to continue hearing Ishan's interview with director Alex Lev of What? It's interesting that you've also included the characters who speak Catalan Sign Language and, and, and German Sign Language and all the different sign languages also in the film, but with, a sli- of course, a pretty different plot line, but they're still, they're still there. All of them are, are still are there. there. Correct. Yeah, and we, we made a very late-in-the-day editing decision that when we caption there, because anytime you see actual, with a few exceptions, anytime you see actual sign language on screen, it is captioned in some way or another. Sometimes as much as I could, I'd put the words as close to the hands as possible so the hearing audience doesn't have to look away. They can kind of appreciate the movement, whatever they are, along with the words. But when the character of Don, the main character, he doesn't understand Catalan sign language. He doesn't understand German sign language. So the translations of them on screen are not in English. Yeah, they're, they're in Catalan and they're in German because you're kind of coming at it from Don's perspective of not understanding. You're just getting words in your face. I had a, the, before you um, show a film at a festival, which we just did, you have to export it from your computer in a certain way and you have to give it to a company and they put it on a special hard drive. And that company contacted me because they thought it was a mistake. They saw the non-English text they're like, it looks like you're missing the English translation there. I was like, watch the movie, watch the movie. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense in context. <laughs> in what ways did you grow from working on this production? Um, you've mentioned that you have a background uh, working with the deaf community, and also you've worked with a lot of films. But how was this different? What did you learn from this? How did you grow from this? Oh, I, I don't like to grow at all. I like to, uh, I like to fall apart day by day. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the film I made 10 years ago was me and seven of my friends. Um, the crew was me and a, and a cinematographer. Um, so that was just one step up from a, a handy cam that happened to be in, uh, you know, an 85-minute movie um, that cost a little bit of money, but not that much. This was my first time directing a a real live feature. We had a 15 day shoot. We had like 18 or 19 locations. We had a main cast between five and 10 people, then a lot of background. We had a lot of crew. It was a movie. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I've directed a lot of things um, more on stage than, than in film. And so that was, it was nothing but a learning experience because you get on, you step on set the first day. And the first thing you have to learn is, I'm actually the director. They're actually going to need me to say things to them. And I don't have to convince anyone of anything. I can just kind of say things. And that's roughly what we're going to do, which is nice. Um, but then the other, the, the joy of casting almost entirely my friends, I, I've known all these people for a long time, is creating an atmosphere and creating a frame that lets them show off their talents and lets them show off their genius. And that's what's fun for me to just be able to sit down and point a camera at people who I think are funny or brilliant actors and just let them do their thing. And I do love the the concept of how it evolved really from just being shot on a handy cam to now being a you know solid production. And it is a beautiful production at that. I mean, filmmaking is hard, but yeah, that's not something you want to complain about. If you get to make a movie, shut up and enjoy it. There are challenges but for me, it was great. And again, being surrounded by the people I was surrounded with, I literally would just, you know, we were on set shooting one thing and we couldn't come up with an ending to this moment. So I run inside, I get the other three folks. I'm like, all right, quick, this is what we're doing now. I need an ending to the scene. I don't know, I don't know, good, 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 good. Great, let's do, I'll do that. And like, that was 
quote, hard and a quote, challenge, because we did need to solve it, but that's what it's all about. And if I, if I didn't let myself have fun while doing all of that, well, that was just a, that would have been a gigantic missed opportunity. And so it was true joy every t- every minute on set. Thank you so much, Alex, for speaking with me today. What is currently on the film festival circuit, and it's already been accepted to 12 film festivals around the world, including some online, the virtual festivals, and the film will be released in 2022. I'm Ishan Mani reporting for Kids First. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you don't miss my next interview or review or those of my amazing teammates. Thank you so much for watching, and goodbye. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of the post and check out our YouTube channel. Get there easily from our homepage at kidsfirst.org. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Merrick Security Solutions. I'm Benjamin Price. Thanks for listening. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.